And now for another amazing episode of the Pop Zara Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's the Pop Zara Podcast. That's right. It's the Pop Zara Podcast full of tech, tech world, tech goodies, tech toys. And that could only mean one thing. CES, the Consumer Electronics Show for 2024. It came. It went. We were there. We saw it. We experienced, well, not we, more like they, because only some Pop Zara people were lucky enough to be on the ground. And for that, we are going to discuss what happened at the world's biggest electronics extravaganza of future tech that may or may not happen. This is Nathan Evans, managing editor of Popstar.com. And with us, our special guest, our own senior tech editor, Mr. Herman Exum, and special guest, our favorite guest, actually, if you think about it, Mr. Ben Crossman from Computer America. Gentlemen, welcome back. Herman. What's up? Where are you? Not much is going on here. Uh, just getting back into the sub-zero weather. Oh yeah. Um, to be honest, it wasn't any war- It wasn't that much warmer in Las Vegas either. So, <laughs> really, I- I'm I'm just I'm just freezing. Someone, did, I, I mean, someone didn't take advantage of all the libations in Sin City. I uh, no, I'm I'm pure at heart. So <laughs> pure at heart. Yeah. yeah. But uh, speaking of pure, the purity himself, Mr. Ben Grossman from Computer America. Ben, welcome back. Thank you for joining us, as always. Thank you for having me back. See, you're, you're not you – see, you didn't go to Sin City this year. That's the thing about it. You guys you need to swap your roles because that would be interesting, <laughs> just Ben all alone in, in Vegas all by himself. I, I, I have confirmed my plans for next year, assuming there is a CES, uh, which um, you know, there should be. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I have confirmed my plans for next year. We will be going. But uh, this year, nope, did it remotely. Uh, I will. I will say this a little. Little. Let's get off on a little bit of a. Let's respect uh, a fallen comrade, uh, real quick. So, as we all know, uh, last year they announced that E3, the world's formerly biggest video game show in the world, was closing down for good. So they say. For those who don't know, E3 was actually a spinoff of CES when CES when it became too big. That being said, Herman, as someone who's been attending CES for longer than some of the listeners have been alive. Uh, from what I understand, what I understand, the show was very robust. It was very well attended. It was very well, uh, it was really well received. So it doesn't sound like we have to worry about CES going anywhere anytime soon, right? In general, no, no. Uh, I, CES is here to stay. In terms of robustness, um, I, in my personal opinion, I still think uh, it's recovering a bit from uh, the COVID pandemic, but. Um, you, if you were there, you really wouldn't be able to tell since it was just still busy and frantic as as it ever was. And uh, you know, they're, if you go to their website, they brag about the the attendees. Like that's that's when you know a show is confident when they brag. But um, speaking of bragging, I want to uh, just have a shout out, thank you to another Popstar alumni who was able to help uh, someone who's native, uh, well now native to Las Vegas. Um, our own Christian Sterling, who doesn't normally cover techie stuff, but he was able to help Herman a little bit on the floor uh, to show up. And so thank you, Christian, very much yeah. for, for being there. Apparently you did awesome. So maybe you need to be a um, in PR. Yeah, he was um, he was getting his feet wet. Um, from what from what I know of Christian and his uh, prior experiences, he does have he has he has dabbled in sort of networking and PR, but uh, not on not necessarily on the tech side. So. This was just him, you know, warming up, warming up to uh, tech PR and marketing and stuff like that. And uh, for for what it's worth, he did a did a fairly excellent job. Uh, he definitely uh, filled in some gaps where I wasn't able to. So uh, I have to thank him for that as well. 
I uh, I did I did uh, invite him a little bit, but it turns out he had some dental work right after, so he is claptrap shut. So he couldn't talk even if he wanted to. But Christian, again, thank, yeah, thank you very much. Couldn't I? I didn't notice he after he the show the storm. Oh yeah. Oh, after the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. After yeah, the show. he was. I'm an introvert, and he was definitely the extrovert. I was uh, he is definitely not. A, yeah. He is definitely not an introvert. Um, so let's get let's get started. So Ben, you uh, you've joined us before. Usually it's the other way around. Usually Ben hosts me on the Computer America Show, which you can listen to uh, notes in the links, links in the notes, whatever you call it. So this is fun. So you're in my playground now, Ben, as usual. Absolutely. So I have the mute button. So I'll mute you. I'll mute you. Good. But Herman, <laughs> for the uh, the fifteen thousand show that you've been to, so let's 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 do this real quick. So for everybody who don't know, yeah. CES is basically a smorgasbord of future tech, uh, tech iteration. It's for consumers. It is. Uh, it's for consumers who like to knowing what's going on. It's for vendors. It's for venture capitalists. So that being said, so Herman, uh, give us a little taste of what went down in Sin City for CES 2024. What was the general consensus? The general consensus was AI, and and that's where and that's where uh, a little bit of uh, intrigue comes in for me because. AI has been so prominent over the past couple years. It has it. It means different things to many different people. And one of my goals of CES this year was to figure out what AI means to consumers. And I got a very, very broad <laughs> idea of what of what it means depending on the product category. So yeah, that that was that was what I was there for on a secondary basis. Uh, I almost, I, om- I almost didn't get get a chance to go because of uh, because of the weather and my uh, stupidity <laughs> in regards to uh, well, booking air- airline flights and stuff. But it sounds like you yeah. needed. Uh, it sounds like you need an AI assistant to book your planes for you and to go. For you know you. what? That's probably one of the few times <laughs> I would uh, embrace AI. But well, generally speaking, for the most part, it didn't matter what type of product it was. Like the the buzz was implementation of uh, smart or AI technology. I guess the definition is up to uh, the consumer or the brand who's trying to well, push it. I was going to ask Ben. So Ben, uh, you and I dabble in this when we talk on Computer America once in a while. You have a lot more contact with some of these companies than than either of us. Um, would you would you see that the definition of what people consider AI to be uh, flexible? AI is whatever you want it to be. No, no, really, it, it's uh, no. It's you're right. Going, yeah, it, it's going to vary based on the product. If it's something that you physically interface with, like right now uh, in my notes, I'm looking at uh, the motion pillow, which is a pillow <laughs> with AI built into it. Uh, you can also go to uh, another product that got a lot of headlines, which was called Rabbit. And that has yes. AI built into it to help you uh, manage your social media and you know kind of manage your digital life. Uh, obviously, AI for a pillow is going to be different than AI for your digital assistant, but they're both AI, I guess, as yeah. far as these companies are concerned. So what is AI? That's going to be, <laughs> you know, what you need it for it's, that product because it's a it it's it's like a, a, a flex seal. It'll it'll stick to anything. You know, it's um... and to be honest, I was I was <laughs> nervous going in because I was trying to come up with a plan to describe AI. <laughs> but the more time I spent on the show floor, the more I realized that it's not going to be so straightforward. Yeah, it it's just whatever 
the company or brand wants AI to be for the consumer right well, now. Well, Herman, uh, before the show, you and I were you and I were chatting about this this definition of what we could you know use going on. See, my my view of it, and Ben, I don't know if you agree or not. My view is that there's a, there's very different ways to describe what AI is. I mean, most people when they describe AI, they they're basically thinking of like a glorified Siri or Google search, like oh, I can I can search more authentically. I have Copilot. Or I can create uh, an image of Godzilla dancing with Barbie. But no, um, I think, Herman, you and I had a really good definition of it before. And I think the vast majority of products that they were going to show at CES were basically rebranding smart home as AI. Would you agree? Uh, I would agree 100%. It really depends on how in on how in-depth and how um, sophisticated the AI is. I guess that would be the different differentiator between smart home and AI at this point. It, I, it's very, mm-hmm. at, at least at least for me, it was. Go ahead, go ahead, Ben. Yeah. No, I, I I get this sense that smart home was if you tell it something that it understands, it will do something for you. Where yeah. if you say open the garage door, it will open the garage. If you say turn on the microwave, it'll turn on the microwave. Whatever it may be. Whereas AI is, it will do almost the same thing, but it has to understand you. It, it's not that it's, you know, it's not like you have to understand it. It has to understand you where if you say, you know, I'm thinking I'm a little warm and it'll turn on the AC automatically. That's yeah. the key pivot for AI. That's uh, And on top of that, and yeah. on top of that, I've noticed that AI, in addition to what Ben was talking about, typically involves stacked commands or nuanced commands mm-hmm. as well so just adding just adding more complexity additional well, commands and stuff like that what it is right now well that's a marketing marketer's dream isn't it that they can they can know you on such an intimate level where it's not it's almost like the idea would become like ben said like i'm going to adjust the temperature would would easily sort of evolve into i'm going to order you your favorite drink or I, you know, it's Friday. I got you a pizza, ready to go. Like it's, it's basically like the marketers out there are like drooling at the idea that you just talk to a digital assistant and be like, uh, "I really don't like this laundry detergent that I just ordered." And then it goes, <laughs> "Okay, I'll order you something different." And it and it just orders it, takes money out of your bank account, mm-hmm. and you don't think anything else about it. That's yeah, that's the dream. Just a just well, a backdoor for more advertisements. Well. You know, it's funny. I told you my water pipes uh, froze a little this morning because of the Arctic, and it, it made me think of AI a little bit. Because when's the last time either of you had to go and, like, pump your own water in the backyard? And the answer probably is probably never. But, like, yeah. you just you, – you, you take it for granted that the water is going to come out of your sink. In fact, you take it for granted that hot water is going to come out of your sink because you have a machine for that. It's so, like, in a way – like that's what AI is—is is that you've you've done the research, you've done all the stuff, and there you there's an expectation of services, right? So it's one thing to say there's hot water coming out of my pipe because I've done all this. It's another thing to say, well, you know, I have, the latest fashion trends are in my my dresser because AI picked out clothes based on what other people are wearing that I like versus you know everything else. And it sounds—I I think I'm simplifying it, but I think you understand what I'm talking about. It's like the only real application to this would be purchasing right well 
and 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 right there is, is like what is the application which is the same thing you had to struggle with when it came to internet of things yeah that's when it came yeah. to you know so much more it's like what is the oh. best way that this is going to be introduced into your life and mm-hmm. right now like i said we saw pillows we saw headphones <laughs> we saw uh you know laptops of course with it we saw tvs mm-hmm. with it we saw it, it um there, there's there's a robot that made a lot of splash there there's a uh, pet toys there's uh, mm-hmm. i saw a cat door that wouldn't I let your that. cat in the house if it was holding a mouse <laughs> because the well, ai was you know stuff like that it's, it's like how best to use this well, and we don't know yet. Start. <laughs> just the idea of <laughs> kicking your cat out of the house and letting well, ai that's the crazy thing. Like that's when you know that AI has made it because the AI would have broken the Turing test of the Zen Cohen. Like one of the most <laughs> famous Zen Cohens of all time is is the classic cat door thing. Have you, you guys have heard of this, right? Like door closed, cat one out; door open, cat one in. So like if <laughs> oh, AI yeah. can, if AI can crack that, but I'll say this: um, I was going to say this for later, but the dumbest product that I saw at CES, the dumbest thing, and I don't mean dumb as in it's stupid. I mean dumb as that. I don't understand it. Was a product called Plant Pets. Have you heard of this? It was a no. it was a electronic add-on for your plants that let you interact with your plants. And if you watch the video, it almost sounds like it looks like a Saturday Night Live joke where you can now plants show emotion and plants respond to you. No, 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 no. The plants are not responding to you. Like it is not Aubrey Two from Little Shop of Horrors. It's not going to eat you and start dancing in soul. Like. Like you are gullible. <laughs> like the the plant doesn't it care like what you are. Your plants into tamagotchis. Exactly, mm, and yeah. it's just. But it's not AI. It's like uh, you remember Herman. You and I were again looking for definitions. And um, Ben, what we were talking about. Do you remember when the iPod was first really popular? Like when it came out. Yeah. And then there was that explosion of crap, uh, mostly at Walmart, by the way. But explosion of crap with the word with the letter I in it, lowercase I. Yeah, the the branding of I something, I, I this, I that. I that. Well, that's what AI is really. Like you're going to see AI that has nothing to do with AI. Like you're going to see just AI slapped on everything. AI cookies, you know, AI toilets, AI this, <laughs> and it's it's not going to have anything to do with intelligence or finessing. It's just going to be ooh AI good. Do for I was me. so well, disappointed. You know was. Yep. Speaking speaking of uh, building on uh, brand terminology, there was a term that was trying to gain traction while I was there. AIoT, uh, artificial Internet of Things, or whatever, or accelerated or advanced, depending on who you, depending on who you ask, what the term AIoT meant. Well, that's not going to so catch we, on. No. We might we we're probably going to be uh, hearing and seeing more of that in the near future. Not with that name. Like they got <laughs> they have to look. It's all about branding. Yeah, Even but it, it's just building off. Uh, yeah, it's just building off of the Internet Things acronym. So yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, we're just just expect to see a lot more of that. But uh, so so Herman, I mean, like, did any of it make sense to you though? Mm-hmm. Like when you saw that they introduced AI, was it something that you thought, okay, that is useful? Like, like did any of this AI really? make sense to you or was it just okay you yeah. figure out a way to anything, loosely slap ai click, into it did, he, did anything say like oh that i want that that makes sense to me honestly it was a little bit of both yeah and it also de- and it also depended on the product too where uh say for instance i i saw smart mattresses you know mattresses you sleep on that kind of, that made sense to me in terms of ai integration because 
they're they're basically you know uh, sleeping in mattress comfort has become a huge market over the past decade or so, and it only makes sense for for these companies to integrate or slap the name of AI on, on these uh, mattresses. Like what you were talking about, Ben, smart pillows. I did see a number of those from various companies, but I also saw uh, mattresses, which, you know, you sleep on the mattress uh, with the use of an app in conjunction of that. You would sleep a night and it would tell you what how poor your sleep posture is and what you needed to change or improve. And the bed because it it's smart, I guess, also has additional technology in it, like air bladders. So the air bladders, like while you're sleeping, the air bladders would uh, compensate for your poor sleeping posture or form. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also one, a Korean brand, uh, Ansel. They actually don't use air bladders. They replace the bed springs with strings. So it's like based on your sleep form. It would learn how you sleep and then... And then adjust for that so you'd have the best, most comfortable sleep possible on that mattress. That's something so, that CES really excels at is stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, you probably won't use. But it's cool to see, <laughs> cool to hear about. You know, I, to be honest, <laughs> if, if you're if you're bleeding edge and you do value sleep, I can see that being I can see that selling. Well, uh, I, I, at least for me, the smart pillow would probably be something I'd get into. I can't. I really couldn't invest in a full-on well, AI smart bed. I was gonna, mm-hmm. I was gonna say, um, I don't know if either of you have ever done one, but I've, you've probably known someone who's ever done a sleep test. Like you have to go into this building, you got to wear all the the equipment, you, you got to monitor your sleep. Like I think there is like applications that you can you can use in consumer products that would help sort of bring some of that home a little bit like sort of like uh you know i been like the apple watch for example like you hear mm-hmm. all these stories all the time i don't know how many of these stories are like embedded by apple because you know they're really con- these stories always pop up right around the time a new apple watch comes out like oh apple watch saved my life it told me my heart was racing or did this or it it found me in a crash you know wow i was like i wish i was in a crash you know, it's like it just sounds <laughs> it sounds cool. Like that that's when you know the marketing is toxic. Like when it makes you long for the worst case scenario to test the features. Like what makes you think that <laughs> I, my life is only savable by Apple. Yes. Exactly. I, I live by the mercy well, of Apple. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well it's kinda of funny. I, I saw this story headline on the New York Post or whatever, and it said plane crashes are safer than ever. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like... Oh, that doesn't give me confidence in flying anymore. That may be technically true, but you know what's safer than plane crashes? Not crashing your plane. But... Yeah, to me, a headline headline like that sounds like they're trying to get ahead of something before it happens. But I will say this, though. um, Having, like, as you both know, having spent a lot of time in the last year in hospitals and nursing homes and stuff, you can see that there is a market for this kind of stuff. Like, you can yeah. see, like, there is an application that makes perfect sense if they do it right. Like, there are things, like, um, you know, if, if when you turn 40 or 45 or 50, the doctors will start talking to you. They won't use the words because they don't want to insult you, but they'll, like, they'll start hinting, like, well, have you thought about getting, uh, you know, maybe this or that or a monitoring device so you don't, you know, die, die in your sleep. But, like... It's, it is true, though. I mean, like, there is an application for stuff that is a constant, like, presence, and I get it. Like, I think I think we all sort of, you know, can see you that. You don't have to be in marketing to know that there's a huge 
baby boomer uh, market that it's opening up where they're going to need more assistance. They're going to need monitoring. They're going to need healthcare in some capacity. That's a huge market. That's where you're going to see products go. It, it's not. It's not that opaque, you know. Well, especially yeah. especially for older people, you know, we're we're gonna like in Japan. Japan's Japan has always been like a snapshot of where things are going. And Japan, you know, they the, they're the largest industrialized country with the largest um, senior population. And there's not enough people to take care of these people, and so you're going to have to like offshoot, like sort of offshoot that into the home, and whether that means robot companions or robot toilets or basically just robots, anything, like it's you know you you can't unless you have a 24-hour a day nurse, you're going to have to have some sort of technology that helps with that. I think like that's to me that's where it goes, but unfortunately, I think we're not going to see that a lot. We're going to see AI Luckily like silly music. Yeah, I mean, I see. So, like, I've I've been seeing stories of you know pet monitoring and pet playing and <laughs> saw that monitor, too. Yeah, like, monitor everything. That that's the key here. Yeah, but yeah, mostly um, monitoring, mostly monitoring you. <laughs> so true. Yeah, and um, when it came to uh, came to AI and smart tech, I I I, I ended up focusing uh, a lot of my attention on you know health and home living products. There, in fact, I, I want to bring this up real quick. There's a toothbrush uh, from Oakley called the X Ultra Wi-Fi toothbrush. It will actually monitor how well your uh, toothbrushing technique is, and an AI voice will give you suggestions on how to improve. And <laughs> over here it, a little it, bit. No, no, no. Up, up, up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty makes... much. And and it'll tell you, and it'll tell you how you, what areas to focus on, how long to focus on them, and. It's all it's all AI voice guided. What was uh, the... that? That's that's something that's something in regards to uh, possibly boomer boomer generation and health that you know where it would be feasible. Are you going but, to get, yeah. Are you going to get one to improve your your stroke technique? I'd I'd have to think about it. It cost one hundred and thirty dollars for it? the toothbrush. That's, that's not bad I mean, though for for an electric toothbrush. That's about par. So I'm surprised. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you're not used to buying like fancy toothbrushes, you might reel well, back a bit. But yeah, toothbrushes do good. Toothbrushes like digital toothbrushes <laughs> tend to cost well not much money. But you you guys have seen the movie RoboCop, of course, right? Like, do you do you, the whole that whole movie was about basically an AI super cop that you know blows bad guys away, right? But do you remember the scene in the bathroom? They had a smart bathroom in the movie where when you walk out, the bathroom would talk to you. And it would, but it would talk colloquially to you. It's like, like, hey, pal, I sure hope you wash those hands. Like, oh that, yeah, that's what's gonna happen. We're gonna get reminders for everything. I mean, uh, speaking of bathrooms, uh, Toto is already ahead of the curve. I mean, they already have smart toilets. They've had those for a few years, where they can actually monitor, you know, like your bowel, like your bowel movements and what and what's in it, and suggest what you should and shouldn't be eating. In the future, so yeah, I mean, we were at a, we were already at that point. It's just now so, everyone's getting into it. Speaking of toilet innovation, I did enjoy a story that if anyone out there is really curious about the latest toilet tech, uh, e ink toilet. So I did like yes, that. I, saw I think that. that was by Kohler, I think, or Coles. Yeah. E ink. It's it's not just for novels anymore. <laughs> not just <laughs> for cars. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, I I, I missed that. You're gonna have to. Uh, Give me a little bit of rundown on that. 
Eating what, toilet? What? I, I, I mean, uh, really, it's just uh, like uh, the toilet is a very basic porcelain fixture in a lot of people's homes. I, I agree. Uh, but when it comes to modern and design and stuff like that, uh, the very top of it, uh, like the very seat, when you just kind of look at it, is completely mm -hmm. e-ink. So it can like change shapes and change yeah. style and just be uh, not just a fixture, but a fixture, you know, a feature fixture. So. <laughs> well, that's what, oh. Like the cars, right? Well, that's that's what the cars did too, though. It, 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 it doesn't put like little like bullseyes that you need to hit. No, no, no. Nothing like that. It's more okay. just a cool look. I'm starting to get it now. That's uh, it's interesting to say the least. Yeah, you can't, you know, you can't read the great American novel, like, ironically, while you're doing your business. Although you could if you had a Kindle. <laughs> but, it, no, it's it's mostly for design aesthetics, right, Ben? Mm-hmm, right. And it's, uh, that's the Numi 2.0 smart toilet from it's, Kohler. So. You know what? I blame, oh, the, okay. I, I blame the gamers. Because the gamers are the ones that decided to put RGB lighting in everything. And if you if you can't possibly, like, give up your light show when you go to the bathroom, then I don't know. I don't know what to say about you. If you need, you know, how come Razor's not sponsoring this? <laughs> well, yeah, Razor was that many RGB. <laughs> Razor was there, but they didn't. They didn't have much in terms of AI. Um, what they had is haptic uh, chairs and uh, posture health, which I thought was an interesting twist for for the brand. I actually got to sit in one of their. Um, one of their uh, posture chairs. It was it was an interesting concept. They had a they had a um, had a physician there, and he actually helped me uh, with lumbar support and how I should be sitting and stuff like that. But if we're talking about AI and smart, it was actually kind of dumb because uh, <laughs> the 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 adjustments were all physical. There was no um, there was no AI assistant telling you how to sit and whatnot. So yeah, it it's. We're sort of in transition. A, a lot of brands are. So the that that's what I kind of got. Of, and I uh, just correct, but but like that's kind of the feeling I got with AI was that we've been hearing about AI for the past year, ever since ChatGPT and so on and so forth. Like it's mm -hmm. been every other day. If it's not uh, politics or tragedy, it's AI is like the third headline. And it's it seems like CES from all you know, from a lot of the products that I saw. It's how fast can we get AI integrated into our lineup? Not that it makes sense. Not that, you know, it's baked in. It's just, it seems like CES like scrambled to get, or at least companies that went to CES mm -hmm. scrambled to get products out that utilize this thing that everyone's talking about. Can we, uh, can we just all acknowledge something about CES? Because we've all covered it for many, many years. There's always a buzzword. Right, there's always oh, like a Every rallying show. point, Every like, show. like, and you, and and for the most part, and I say this with kindness because I do love CES and I do love the absurdity of it, is that most of the time these buzzwords come and go, like. 3D will come in. Everything's 3D. I need 3D. I need 3D on my, my toaster oven. You know, I need 3D on my bread cereal. I don't even right. know what it matters. 3D immersion, whatever. Gone. Yeah. Just gone. You know, you, you have this all the time. I What was the couple of, like, during the pandemic, we saw a lot of this, uh, you know, health thing. I don't even think there was a buzzword around it, but we all kind of understood what it was. We're going to have masks. We're going to have ultraviolet. We're going to have this. We're going to cleanse Masks the world. that are easy to wear, that have microphones in them, UV yeah. light that's going to be everywhere, clean yeah. every... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely gone. Well, thank, thank yeah. God that didn't happen because uh, <laughs> uh, you can tell that... 
you could tell that was only there for the moment. They weren't going to bring that to market. It no, looked too ridiculous. It was too ridiculous. Um, but I, I think we probably got some good out of it, though. I mean, like, like even with a like, that's the thing about CES. It's the clay. It's not the finished product. We got all this potential, all this fun stuff. You got robots that can dance the Macarena. Like, and but at the end of the day, is it going to make my toaster work better? And that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's just you know. And that's kind of what the fun part of it is. It is a lot of people. Sometimes it's just people playing, just having fun with the form and just seeing what's going on. And there's a bunch of bad bad actors too. I think you'd all agree, like people who are just you know disingenuous that will try to yeah, you know I mean, sell you snake oil. We t- we I've seen it so many years, and every and almost every podcast thing we have for CES, we talk about it. I just I just ignore it completely. It um, doesn't even it doesn't even. Uh, Register in my well, field division when I walk past it. Speaking, not, not for the past few years. Well, speaking of field division, Ben, um, you and I probably saw this better than Herman because we weren't there. But there were two things that this never usually happens at CES. But there were two actual stories that came out of CES that were actually practical. Um, one had nothing to do with CES, which is timing. Um, Apple's debuted the launch date of their Vision Pro. Right, they actually did mm-hmm. that on the very first day, which is kind of weird because they weren't at CES. And the other thing you mentioned it was the Rabbit R1 AI assistant. You, you saw that, right? They, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, they sold like ten thousand of these things because of CES. Did you see that? They sold out. Like that's crazy. Like I, you know, you almost never see CES as like almost like a Kickstarter like launch pad for these things. But no, they use CES. Really? Yeah, they. Yeah, it was huge. Like, um, did you see, did, did you feel? No, I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen plenty of, uh, uh, Kickstarter attempts at CES, but, um, I guess this is one of the few that was actually successful Huge. that I've heard of. Yeah. Did you see this, Ben? Like, have you, are you familiar with this rabbit thing? Rabbit R1? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, uh, and, and, and again, it's, uh, I, I don't know how, like, practical it's going to be and i know that it sold a lot and the kickstarter is doing well yeah. I, I'm, I'm very jaded because from the marketing standpoint there's ways to make that happen but it really highlighted i think for a lot of people like that was probably the best utilization of ai like i know we were you yeah. know, uh, making fun of a lot of people for using it in their products that was a product developed from the ground up to use ai and it it you know it really shown out or it really outshone the others and, and just just to clarify, um, just because something's successful on Kickstarter or sells a lot doesn't mean it's necessarily successful. It just means the campaign was successful. I think we can right. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the follow up that counts. Um, but that that's, being that's why I, that's why I don't give too much attention to um, the initial Kickstarter uh, uh, campaigns. I want to I want to see I want to see it actually come to fruition. I want to see the end result well, versus the hype that build up to it. Well, speaking of that, um, if we can sort of get away from AI a little bit, we could talk about the other yeah, let's stuff. Yeah, do that. So I think, I think uh, this is where we talk a lot about That's it. an option? I didn't know that was an option. That's great. Yeah, we're, we're legally mandated to talk 75% about AI. That's just the rules. <laughs> I don't make the rules. It's just, you know, that that's the algorithms, the algos, like AI this, AI that. Did you? Can I interest you in some AI toilets and cookies? But no – Speaking of that, practical stuff. This is all. This is the real bread and butter. This is the stuff that is Herman. I, I don't say this pejoratively. Iterative, uh, foundational, mm-hmm. reliable. Well, in, in some cases, I think you're going to tell us about a very big uh, product fail that no one else talked about, and um, stuff you can probably buy. 
this year, probably, which is nice. So let's let's say this. This is the the categories that I think we're going to talk about a little bit are displays, uh, probably no. probably laptops. Um, I don't know if you want to get into vehicles at all. Uh, there was a certain vehicle that kind of stole the show for a lot of people, but and which one? Co- no, concepts. Talk about that later. Oh, you know you know what I'm talking about. It's so, I do, and I might, and I might have to disagree with you there, but we'll get we'll get to that bridge. When we'll cross that bridge and well, we get to it. I'll say this, and Ben, I'll, I'll I'll prime you for this. There were a couple products that they showed at CES 2024 that were basically different versions of products we've already seen from another company. That and this particular company has fallen out of favor with a lot of people who cover electronics. So it was kind of odd for me to hear them talk about these products as they were new, if they were new or revolutionary. When in reality, these they've kind of been around for a while. I don't know if you if you know where I'm going with this, but mm, um, no, I'm 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 intrigued, but oh, no, clueless. Oh, you know how I am about this stuff. I always like to to tease it. Like <laughs> and after these yeah. messages, pay attention. No, but Herman, let's talk about uh, let's talk about displays because big, transparent, and big and fast were the name of the game. Okay, uh, let's start off with uh, transparent uh, displays, specifically Ooh. TVs. There were the two big ones were LG with their OLED T series, which is a thing. Um, it is coming out possibly this year. Most likely not for the rest of the world, but for South Korea first, and then it'll make its way across the world eventually. So. LG brands this as the world's first transparent wireless OLED display. Uh, the wireless part is important because it sort of it sort of sets sort of sets it off from what Samsung showed off, which was a proof of concept on their end. So they take they take the wireless technology from their current OLED M uh, model, which is. I think it's like 5000 bucks at least or somewhere along that line. So that's where the wireless part in. There's a there's a transmitter box with all the inputs and stuff and it transmits to uh the display, the OLED display which is transparent. So it's more uh it's more of a living room piece than uh than a TV. And LG has been uh aggra- like marketing the, li- the living room space and how and how displays and tech can integrate with the uh, warm, inviting feel of a home. That's That's been their thing for a number of years. That hasn't changed th- with the CES. But I will say that uh, the TV, it looks good. Um, and there's a certain wow factor with not having, not having a back panel. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be well, a luxury piece. I had a question about that. Um isn't there a back panel though? Like there was some, I heard some sort of. Yeah, like there was some, there was some conflicting things where in order to actually use the TV the way it's supposed to, you do need to roll out like a black panel. Yeah, something like that. Um, what they had on, what they had on demonstration was, um, it was like a, it was like a picture frame bezel. So when the TV's off, it was just a blank bezel. Mm-hmm. And it didn't it didn't take up. It wasn't too distracting. You could put, you know, uh, decorations behind it and what when the TV's off and it doesn't it just doesn't look out of place is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So there's that and what you're talking about. But, yeah, um, 
It's impressive for what it is. I mean, it's finally happened. We've been talking about transparent displays. Oh God. Yeah. For well, didn't they show them off? Years now. Didn't they show off some like transparent monitors last year? Or yeah, they did. That was um, that was the concept models. So basically, what I what I've seen this year, I also saw last year, but this time it actually has a model name with a tie to it, and it is coming out sometime this year. Well, you know, I don't. I'd, uh, in terms of pricing, I don't know. Just expect it to be very expensive. Probably somewhere between. It's got to be at least five figures for for this TV. I can't see it being any cheaper than that. You know, and that's and that's not just. That's my opinion. I didn't marketing LG marketing didn't tell me that, but that's my guess. We're uh, we're one step closer to the Star Trek dream of transparent aluminum. Yeah, and before we move on, I got I got to talk about uh, I got to talk about Samsung and their transparent TV, which was a proof of concept. There is no model name tied to it; doesn't have a release date right now. <laughs> what is interesting about that is my first experience with it, mm-hmm. because it didn't work. In fact, when I got to the when I got to the dis- to the display, like the uh, the exhibitors were actually taping it up and covering it with a with a black tarp. Because it broke for whatever Aww. reason. <laughs> so, uh, first impressions, uh, you know. But, but you know, I, because CES is, is, is this big, huge event where, you know, they have to show up with all their gear intact and ready to go. Like, it's not easy to do a live demo. And it, I always feel so bad when companies, you know, it, it doesn't go as planned because you want to see it work, you know? Yeah, but the, but it, they did turn it around. There was a positive. They did get it working in the next day. And I did see it in action. Um, their their demonstration was a bit different compared to LG, since it was a proof of concept. Uh, I think they had more fun with it. It was a very long, ultra wide. It was well over a hundred inches, probably 120, 130 inches. But the way they had it set up is that they had a static screen. They had the transparent screen up front and a static screen in the back. So when you're looking at it. I guess they're trying to show off the three-dimensional aspect of transparent TV. <laughs> well, back to that 3D thing again. But so, so what I saw was a static image in the back or a panning image, and then on the transparent display they had moving images to make it look three-dimensional. And I mean, it, it worked quite well. It, lo- it looked, it actually looked quite beautiful. But. Yeah, that that's not coming to market yet. By the way, that is the diff- another difference is the Samsung transparent display is a micro LED display compared to LG's OLED display. So that's another notch on Samsung's belt for micro LED. I uh, I just wonder how they're going to pull it off because remember we've talked about OLED technology versus micro LED technology, or whatever, and they're just fundamentally different technologies. And mm-hmm. so it'll just see how it, see how they're able to if they're able to because like you said it's a proof of concept um, the the OLED version seems to be light years ahead of it so and to be honest with you I think you know I, I love micro LEDs myself but it's it does seem like the world is gravitating towards OLEDs as its future um, in my in my opinion though with OLED uh, production has been extremely difficult and. The idea behind micro LED is that they're going to use more conventional technology to bring it to market. But as it stands now, 
uh, if you want a micro LED display, they they do exist, but I don't think I don't think most of them are available to regular consumers. It's more professional or outdoor stuff, like big venue stuff. I um, um well, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the old days, like back when TVs were three hundred pounds, and you know you had to buy furniture just to house the TV in your living room. Like, yeah. Like, when's the last time you saw a TV cabinet? Like, they, I don't even know if they make them anymore. But, like, flat panels have changed the living room, right? Like, we have we modify our living rooms for our flat panels. Like, people hang them. They discreetly do the cables and everything. It's completely different, like, than grandma's TV where you had to have, like, a, a TV house, you know, and then you had compartments for your VHS and all the tapes. And now it's completely different. And I think OLED's the possibility of OLEDs are probably going to change it again. Like we're getting close to the back to the future, like not quite like, you know, the, the curtain that pulls down, but, um, and this is kind of where I'm from, from, from my experience, just talking to people and talking to, you know, just everything that I've seen, uh, you know, there's a number of technologies that I can't wait for TVs to have if they will ever have it. Um, you know, rollable displays so that they can pop out of a smaller unit. Um, they have. Oh, you're talking about? Ben. Yeah, yeah. And they already they already have rollable displays. It's yeah, just... no, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, but I'm waiting for it to hit kind of like the mainstream. You know, when these oh, technologies, okay. um, you know, transparent, rollable, uh, micro LED, OLED, uh, all that good stuff, and like. You know, if you're willing to spend a couple thousand, you're good to go. But what I'm seeing most people excited about when it comes to TVs is I can get a good 4K TV for 300 bucks. Exactly. Like that's the more exciting part is that, you know, good looking TV, not saying best or new or, you know, whatever, um, but just good TVs are pretty cheap right now. And that's the exciting part. I'm waiting for them to be transparent, rollable, you know, huge, massive, 114, 140 inch. That technology is not really trickling down to the masses because it is still prohibitively expensive. It is. Um, my, I think my issue with TVs for the longest time, ever since I started reviewing displays and stuff in general, is that um, there was a certain threshold where, you know, we, we got to the we got to the milestone last time was 4k and now everything after that ever even till today has just been fairly incremental in improvements um so when when we talk about displays and tvs here it's just sort of like yeah okay we we can expect we can expect the yearly updates from all the major manufacturers fine but you know for me uh there were there were a lot of projectors uh, at CES this this time, uh, surprisingly, a surprising amount. Not not as many compared to regular TVs and monitors, but enough to where I'm excited for that. So, one one projector on my radar is the uh, Zigmi uh, XGIMI uh, Horizon uh, Ultimate or something like that projector. It is it's a it's a small laser projector. Can't be any more than two thousand dollars, but it has most of the latest tech that uh, TVs enjoy now. So it has Dolby Vision. I think it has HDR10 Plus. Finally, so I'm excited more for projectors versus TVs, but that, that's that's what I'm looking forward to personally. Well, you know, you bring up a good point about the projectors, though, Herman. Is that if you think about it, and Ben, I think you you know this too, is that what these you know, the concept of um, 
you know, transparency, it basically allows you to enjoy like the cleanliness of a projector. Because with a projector, you don't have a giant screen in front of, you know, occupying a part of your living room and, you, you know, like a piece of furniture. Like, it's gone. Like, it's visibly gone when you don't need it. Like a projector. Like, a, you know what I mean, Herman? Like, I've seen your, your setup. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, oh. You, yeah, you don't have a giant piece of plastic, like, just hanging out, waiting for you to turn it on. And yeah. And I got to correct myself, though. It is called the Zigbee Horizon Ultra, not Ultimate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything everything else I said a minute ago still applies. Um, it, com- compared to a TV, uh, I like the flexibility of choosing my like gradual, basically choosing my own screen size and not having to worry about space and all that. And I mean, I don't need a friend to haul out a eighty plus inch TV. I can just grab I can just grab a handle if, if the projector has one and just be on my merry way. There, there's, there's a point where consumer, and you know, uh, we talk about the consumer electronics show. These are things that are meant to be for consumers. Um, you know, Samsung has their, and surprisingly, I just went to the website has zero, zero reviews uh, for some reason. The Samsung 110 inch micro LED 4K display, uh, only one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Don't know That's why it? no one's reviewing that thing. <laughs> That's um, it. Oh. And, and 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 then and then the uh, the projector that you were just talking about, the the Horizon Ultra, is you know sixteen hundred, and it, you know it's ten inches smaller because you know it can only go up to a hundred inches, uh, but still you know one hundred fifty versus fifteen hundred. Ah, yeah, it's it's difficult for me to justify uh, a TV or a display for myself. I can recommend it to regular people because projectors, I have to admit this too, projectors haven't really caught on in terms of uh, convenience other other than their physical convenience of size. I mean, we're talking about picture quality and um, other and other issues such as uh, light, uh, light dimming and um, environmental ambiance, things like things like that that'll potentially wash out the picture during the daytime. Uh, projector manufacturers have been getting a lot better, thank, thanks mainly to the use of laser lighting projection. But yeah, there's still that hurdle to get over if you're looking for an alternative to uh, like a huge it's a space to watch fix, though, for to sure. a huge fixed display like a TV. Well, did you, um, Herman? Did you see the screen? At CES, there was a company called, and I, I have, I, I apologize for anybody listening. This is a dumb name. The company, <laughs> yeah, the, I know what you're talking the, about. The company's called Seed, like C, C yes. as in cat, but Seed as in like dark seed, like Seed. Yes. And they had the the their tagline is they blur the line between technology and art, and it's a giant micro LED screen that transforms, and it's. It's very ostentatious yeah. and very, I like very. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, convoluted. Convoluted. There's a, like a lot of synonyms yeah. for just art. Can I say that? Like whenever you think of artistic stuff, you you just it's so off-putting. It's like yeah. If if you go to the website right now, cseed.com. Cseed. Uh, yes. The, uh, their main page shows a video of the TV you're talking about, which is called yes. and what. And it's, <laughs> it looks they, very pompous. Oh, they literally have like a barefoot man looking over the city as it says the unfolding masterpiece. And I get, I t- I'll tell you what, I don't mean to insult yeah. this product, 
But this is the type of television that if you buy this, the only thing this person's going to watch are like the demos you see at Best Buy of the fish yeah. and the color. And if you go to the main page, uh, the, the the TV you're talking about is called the N1. N1, yeah. If you go to the main page, there's like a video loop of the TV in a museum uh, surrounded by uh, Victorian statues and whatnot. Yes. Holding up and down. I did get a look at this TV. <laughs> Sorry. It's it's basically it's basically a, a bespoke boutique TV. It's very similar, if not nearly identical, to what um, well, Bang and Olufsen does with uh, with their TV. Well, a lot of people don't know that Bang and Olufsen they actually have a TV lineup, and it's mm-hmm. and their whole approach is very similar, nearly identical to what well, to what that is. This uh, in the C seed in one yeah, TV. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Johnny Ives effect. Right, the Johnny yeah. Ives effect. It's like, like how can we minimize this and create an experience? And it's so funny because, Ben, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Like, so much of technology, whether it's televisions or chairs or desks, whenever you put gamer into the mix, it becomes rough and angular, and, and <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and look, RGB. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. then you, but then you look at the other side of technology, like this, like the art side, the luxury, minimalist. It's yes. like these are two different worlds. This is like the like you know the alpha and the omega. They they couldn't be any more different. There's no RGB this? lighting on this. Well, this what TV. I will. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. No, what I will say about this TV, it um, it works. I mean, yeah. it full. It I got the demo. They showed me it folding back and forth and all that, basically like a thing a thing of cards. Um, <laughs> another thing too is they didn't. I. I forgot to ask about a price, but they said that... Don't even ask um, about a price. It's it's out of your price range. Well, they said that you're not... Obviously, you're not going to be able to buy this in stores. It's going to be special order only, so you'll have to either talk to CC themselves or get a hold of one of their verified uh, distributors. Like, back in the old days when um, there, were, there used to be AV home theater stores, that's probably... That's one of the two ways you would have to buy this TV so, if you... A quick Google search uh, can't verify this, but they're saying 300000 for the 165-inch, 200000 for the 137-inch, and 110 for the 100-inch model. Yeah, this is definitely not a TV you can get at Best Buy. Yeah. yeah you're going you're gonna to have to special order it and all that, and it's, and it's probably going to take because, probably six months, six to nine months for them to deliver it to you. Just and then they have like to... Bang an Olufsen TV. If you can and find then they have stores. to install it in your floor because it comes up out of the floor. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's it doesn't just hang on a wall. And the, the only thing I was going to say about this TV uh, and CC, and you're right, it is of all the TVs that I've seen at the show, this is the most unfeasible but coolest, definitely. Um, <laughs> I will say that it, it, it's kind of like walking into like some some rich guy's home and you see like that rear projector TV that's like 100 inches. It's floor to ceiling. It is a massive rear projector TV, and you're like, wow, that thing must have been so cool 15 years ago exactly. because it is <laughs> utterly useless and immovable well, now. It is like I, a rock of Gibraltar I, sitting there. I was um, reading about quantum computers. This is going, to be, a, this is going right? to be a New York Manhattan special well, for sure. Well, yeah. I was reading about quantum computers from NASA because like 20, 30 years ago, quantum computers were the, the next big thing. And nowadays, your iPhone or your calculator can do – quantum mechanics much better than any nasa computer could right but you could still buy them like they're like they're like millions of dollars they're just antique pieces 
And it's just like I said, it's it in you know what I'm talking about, Herman? Like every once in a while you you drive around a neighborhood and you see like a TV that probably cost thirty thousand dollars, but it's in the trash. Or it's like donated yeah. to a thrift store. Like Ben, where you live, uh, the city you live in, you kind of live in a very famous city for thrift stores, right? It's kind of famous, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like it because there's a lot of tech people in your town, and like there are people who go on YouTube and just go to the thrift stores to find the cool technology that people just donate that used to be bleeding edge and very expensive, and now it's nothing. It doesn't cost anything. It's crazy. Like, um, yeah. This is like you said. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. And honestly, yeah. if you're if if you're shocked that it costs three hundred thousand to put uh, an outdoor TV in the ground that'll pop up near your Infinity Edge pool, uh, it's not for you. So. Yeah. Well, from from what they described, it it's going to be compatible for both indoor and outdoor. But right. you know, um, mm. once again, like like you said, Ben, if you have to ask the price, you probably can't afford it. Yeah, they're they're probably not watching a lot of games on this TV. Like they're probably not watching. Oh, no. Yeah, that's why CES is fun though. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it's fun to look at. Um, I checked the specs, and this is not in any way, shape, or form meant for meant for gaming. Well, I mean, I don't. Think, I, 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 I mean, I don't think they're. I don't think they're watching like the Chiefs on this, or you know, what or the Super Bowl. I think they're watching documentaries about what's going on in the Middle East. Like that's yeah. that's what they're watching, <laughs> you know. They're they're watching experimental film on this. They're just watching the stock ticker just scroll by on their 140 inch screen. Yeah, but, but you know what though? It's fun. Like I said, it's fun. I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're having a lot of fun with it. But you can always go to Best Buy or Walmart and pay two hundred dollars for a 75 inch crapola where you can where I guarantee you your friends are going to have the best time watching whatever FIFA World Cups on it. Like that's oh we, we live in different worlds. Yeah, by the way, uh, this C-Seed N1, mm. it is micro-LED, which means it, like the panel is probably sourced uh, by uh, Samsung. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you have it, C-Seed so, N1. So we talked about big displays, and the, there's tons more too, by the way. There's Big big and Fast was the name of the game. But what else was going on there? Let's talk about PCs real quick because – there are, okay. a, there are a lot of really interesting PC concepts there. And I think uh, for me, and I, I don't have a lot of experience, uh, I love the fact, and Herman, you know this, I'm a big micro ATX per, uh, ITX person. I'm, I love f- form factors that are tiny. And one of the things that really got to me, that really tingled me in the right places, is the cable-free motherboards and the cable-free cards and everything coming out. And uh, so so going going forward, so what did you see as far as like PC like technology, Herman? I'm going to tell you, um, you mentioned the uh, quote, you can't see me doing the air quotes, but quote unquote uh, cable-free motherboards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you're talking about the Asus BTF, Back to the Future concept. Yeah, which the acronym yeah. doesn't really line up, but you know, it's yeah, it, it should be BTTF instead of BTF. Probably there's probably but, a probably naming, probably like licensing there. Oh yeah, but it's a <laughs> it actually looks good, but the concept is a trick of the eyes. It's not cable free. They basically just take all the inputs and put them on the reverse side so they're not visible to like to the human eye especially if you have like a well everyone has well, a uh, PC case that has that tempered glass display ben. so they just they just switch they just switch the uh, the inputs from the top to the bottom 
Well, I was gonna so ask, now the cables aren't this anymore. I was going to ask Ben. Um, ben, didn't you and I talk about this? I don't know if we did about the – what's that video card coming out that's the first video card without a power cable? It goes through the PCI bus, I think it is. Like – we we are moving towards less cables though in our PCs, yeah. as, modular PCs. As someone whose weakest part of building a computer is cable management, mm-hmm. uh, I'm all for this. Even if it's a trick of the eye, I'm all for this. Well, if you think about it, like it's not, it shouldn't be revolutionary because, like your game console, if you cracked open your PS5, there's not a lot of cables going on in there, right? Yeah. Like it's all well, it's all planned at the, the manufacturing stage. Keep in mind, I didn't say this was a bad idea. I, I think it's a great idea, actually. And from from what I was told, uh, there will be models this year that adopt the BTF format for for ASUS uh, uh, motherboards. They're gonna be, they're obviously gonna be in the higher end category, but they they say they're coming this year, uh, probably in the spring or summer, like something well, like that. Probably after Computex. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna lose a lot of respect and credibility with people listening, but I'm gonna ask a really dumb question. No question is dumb. Oh, no, this one's dumb. Okay. But, but my question is, like, as someone – and Herman, you know, I've been building PCs for, you know, longer than most people have been alive. Like, I've, I'm no stranger to this. And, you know, you've seen me struggle, like, with the new motherboards trying to get little pieces and little damn slots and all that. But my question is, why do motherboards have so many cables? Like, they don't seem to need to. Like, they don't – like. <laughs> Like why? Like why can't we do better power management through peripherals and PCI buses? Like I, I don't understand it. They're it's very a unknown. holdover. It's a holdover from well, um, from the eighties and nineties. That well, that has never changed about uh, PC building well, and, and motherboards and PCs such. Our PCs are are a bit cooler looking than the nineties, but they're pretty much well, the same. I was going to say this. Like I remember um, when I was building. Uh, remember Herman? I I recently graduated for for Ben. For me, this was a big deal. I went from like a shoebox sized micro ITX build that was pretty good. And Herman knows this. I'm a huge fan of the small ones. But eventually I decided that I wanted more power and less money. So I, I went slightly bigger. <laughs> and more power and less money. I'm going to steal that. I like it's, that. It's true. Like when you go, when you build a micro ITX or, or Nook build, you are sacrificing right. a lot like to get that small form factor. But I'll say this. I remember the first time I had the mod. Remember this, Herman? The not the modular, but I replaced my power supply with a modular one, and I took the old one out. The one it looked like I was holding Medusa head above my head. Yeah, like there was like fifty thousand snake heads, <laughs> and it's just it's ridiculous how that s- is, sloppy these things are. That is probably the only advancement in uh, cable management supply so, that has ever modular? happened for power supplies. Yeah, it's, modular. Yeah. It's just what a, what a <laughs> it, mess. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed in a long time. I just like RAM doesn't require you know a power supply. Hard drives don't require a power supply. Like there's so many components like that. You know you could easily see it if the, if you just let the nerds get out of the way and let these like like I hate to say it like get the N1 uh, get the N1 pretentious people on it. They'll figure it out. They'll get rid of the cables. They'll make it nice and clean. Well, so, they'll hide them. They won't get rid of them. No, they'll they'll get rid of them. They'll they'll figure it out. They'll 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 do it. They'll do the work. But um, hell, you can make a TV the thing transparent. about that is it's, it's image it's image before anything else. They they won't they won't figure out anything other than how to hide the cables and clutter better. Well, I mean, like it's, I said, that's true. Like all I know is, like I said, all I know is that every other every other industry out there has figured it out except for PC. And I think part of it is people. People who assemble PCs, they kind of like the clutter. Maybe they like they like the cable management because hey, you got to know your market. 
I'll tell you what, though, because it's an accomplishment. It's like a bragging point. Like, you, you don't, if you're building PCs for a living, you probably don't have a lot to brag about. So, like, being able to hide your cables discreetly is it. Like, you figured it out. Look what I did. I hid my cables, you know? Yeah. And, but um, were there any other concepts like this? Anything more for discreteness? Uh, I, I, I don't know if Herman saw it, but I did uh, see the Asus made a portable and, and like, port, like, laptops with multiple screens because obviously more mm-hmm. people working from home and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. multi-screen everything and yeah. I loved it what was the big one I didn't um, get a chance I didn't get a chance to um, I um, it was invitation only for Asus and mm-hmm. one uh, they they could have filled me in but it would have been too late to actually go there and to it yeah it's just I had uh, I had other obligations so unfortunately uh, besides the uh ETF. I didn't get to see much of anything from much of anything else from ASUS. Ben, uh, gotcha. I got a question for you, Ben. So we've talked about foldables before, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this, but at CES this year, there was kind of a step back from foldable and, like you said, more into multi-screen, which to me makes a million times more sense. Like even though you you know you're trading like the full you know the the seamlessness for like bezels, but but they, they, they seem to be a better idea overall, don't you think? Foldables have this issue where even when they show off, like, display models or, like, you know, it's like, look how cool this is, there will still be, like, dead pixels in the corner. Like, yeah. it's a yeah. technology that exists, and they'll show it to you. Uh, is it durable? Probably not. Is it the best option? Probably not. But, you know, they're, they're trying. And, and uh, Foldable has a place in society. Uh, it will eventually get there because it, it makes the screens more durable. But yeah, multi-screen works better than foldable right now, for sure. Yeah, and it's and there's, I think there's a reliability issue too. I think that's another another uh, um, deal breaker for a lot of people is that it doesn't seem like like anything that's consumer based like foldable it is long for this world, right? <laughs> like to say yeah. to say to, to be honest with you like if 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 your thing cracks or if it doesn't work after a certain point then i don't i don't know why you'd want that yeah well, Dur- durability need, needs to increase that they, they, they have phones that are foldable that i think that was uh samsung uh showed that off and you know it, it, it's what you've seen in the past two years there was a uh, one monitor that uh was kind of like a fold-out display that had a seamless kind of thing for, you know, on the go computing. Yeah. And stuff like I saw that. that. Um, yeah. It, it's, you know, it's there, they're trying. Uh, it's not going to be good until it's not, <laughs> you know, $500 more than everything else. And it yeah. works like it, it has to work and be a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Like um, what was the, the most, the most interesting one that I saw? And I don't mean interesting as in like, I want to go out and buy it, but was it the Lenovo ThinkBook? Herman, did we talk about this? The one that's half Windows 11, half Android? Have you seen this? Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, I got a quick glimpse at it. Um, Again, meetings and stuff like that. But I will say that I liked it. I liked the way it looked. It was I thought thought, um, if you're going to do something like that, you might as well go all in. Something like that. Well, it's not the first time we've seen them try to merge the two OSs in the same thing. 
but like, did you see this one, Ben? Where like, if you like, wh- literally, it's two screens. One screen was Windows 11. One screen was Android, but worked. It tend to work together. Yeah, it, it, like there's so much appeal for people to kind of bring their phone that they're staring at, you know, ten hours a day next to the computer that they're staring at for the other 10 hours of the day. Um, it's got to be very but, good for their eyes. Yeah, yeah. But, but but they're, you know, they're fundamentally two different things. I don't know why anyone after Windows 8 would try to do something of, of, of that sort. It makes no sense well, to me. It's really crazy because Windows 11 has Android compatibility, like, baked mm-hmm. into it. But I guess maybe the experience... Is, this is the thing, I, and I'm going to say this kindly because I like Android quite a bit. But, like, if the if the Android experience on Windows isn't great, that's because it's Android. Like, it's not meant to play else. It's not meant to play outside of its wheelhouse. You know, it's it's meant to be on a phone. And I don't think anybody ever said that Android was very like la- uh, tablet friendly. I think that was always a big sticking point for a lot of people, which is why the the tablet market is basically an iPad market. And so I don't know if sticking two things in the same laptop is going to solve anything. But what well, do I, know? I, I do I, I do like the detachable screen aspect of it. I, I thought yeah. that was neat. Yeah, and we and that's someone a, out that's... there is going to be like, this solves all my productivity issues. You know, Ben and yeah. Nathan and Herman don't know what they're talking about. This is the best thing in the world. Like someone out there is just yes. gushing over this. Someone out there uh, is like, they did not it. Not us though. Yeah, they, <laughs> like they did it. I'm going to bring this to the coffee shop with me, and people are going to stare, and that's okay because mm-hmm. they're all jealous. Um, yes. But, but there were a lot of fun stuff there. Like I said, there was a lot of laptop stuff. But I think, and I and I don't mean to demean this, guys. But but the truth is, is that a lot of the laptop stuff there was iterative. It was bigger. Yeah. It was better, faster, mm-hmm. smaller, cooler. And that's totally cool. That's the engine that runs the industry. Like like a lot of people don't know this. Um, ben, you you do this. Herman, you do this. But the fact of the matter is, like people like to buy new laptops, and they don't really want the boat shaken. Like concepts are cool. But at the end of the day, does this is the screen good? Can I type on the keys? That's all I really want. Don't really want anything else. Is it faster? Cool. Faster is, you know, subjective to what you had before. But I think moving on, I think now we can get into a different sector, which is sort of everything else. Uh, we've talked a lot about AI. We've talked about big displays. We've talked about laptops. We've talked about discrete. But let's, what about all the stuff that we didn't talk about? I think this might be a good good way to sort of segue into the final chapter which is gadgets, gadgets and cool yeah. gizmos and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to do this a little different. I'm going to ask Ben real quick. So Ben, as someone who was not on the flo- show floor, you know this because you, you do the show with this. Like CES is sort of thrives under the wacky headlines of the weird stuff they show. Like we talked about this before, smart fridges, toilets, robots, whatever, right? So mm-hmm. what did you think, what did you see stealing headlines from CES 2024 that, that stood out to you? You know, uh, the answer is kind of nothing because this is this year. I really regret not going in person because I feel like there were the coolest things at the show were probably at Sands. They were probably, uh, you know, not in the main hall of, of the convention center. The coolest things at CES were probably not covered even all that much because uh, AI was so you know predominant. Uh, I like it's cool to see the cards there, and I and I understand the car industry puts a lot of money into CES, so I get it. The coolest things I bet were not even uh, making headlines, and yeah, you know I I regret not going because 
uh, I think the gadgets were probably the coolest part of the show this year. Herman, um, I was going to tell you this. We, we talked about AI ad nauseum, but there was something we, that nobody mentioned that falls in line with gadgets, right? So I want to mm-hmm. bring this up. I actually thought it was one of the most practical uses of AI and gadgets at the entire show, and it got no buzz. Like Ben was saying, it got no buzz. Did you hear, have either of you hear about this thing called the Swarovski Optics AX Visio, a.k.a. the AI Binoculars? Like, it's got a horrible name. It's a stupid name. It's not going to get you on. But, like, it's a they're binoculars that use AI to help you identify birds. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, my only, that's my only regret of the show is not being able to see those in person. Yeah. That's um, pretty cool, actually. Like You didn't see them, but they saw you. <laughs> they looked at you and said, Herman. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. That's a, sw- well, that's a swallow. <laughs> here's what I like about them. It's a combination of everything imagery and optics in and a pair of binoculars the, um we talked about this uh briefly before um basically it is a it's a pair of binoculars and it has a database of birds that um that it's able to detect when you're wearing them and it and it's sort of it sort of um rides the line between photography and wildlife like like both of those professional fields because it also has a camera on it too where you can take pictures that's yeah. cool uh i like that i think that i think that's pretty i think that's pretty neat and <laughs> the only thing that isn't awesome is the price if they i think they're over three thousand or four thousand dollars but uh, the you're ones i'm gonna get on the website are forty eight hundred Okay. Well, yeah. To to bird enthusiasts, though, they 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 know what they're after. But I'll say well, this: I mean, that's why that's why I say that um, you know professional photographers they would they would definitely uh, they would definitely like this because we we talk we talk about you know smartphones taking over the camera industry, but I don't think that's going to happen. Professional photography requires equipment such as the these optic AX binoculars. Well, I imagine the lenses. It just are, makes sense. I imagine the lenses and you know are probably next generation, like excellent. <laughs> but um, you know, I fun. forget who supplies the like the lenses. I think um, I have to look it up again. Well, I was but, going to say like it's really high grade. Ben, uh, last year when I was getting ready to do some landscaping. Um, Herman, you remember you were with me. Uh, but we were, I saw some bushes that I really liked, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what those mm-hmm. bushes are." And I remember I had to go take a picture of the bush. Then I had to like reverse engine, like reverse look it up, and I found the bush. But it's like there's something to be said about uh, AI as it, as intended as a way to like differentiate between one object and the next. That makes sense. And more than any other product at CES, the bird binoculars. I'll just call them bird. By the way, that's a better name. Than optics AI Visio bird binoculars. You know exactly what you're getting. The bird binoculars. Exactly, love it. bird binoculars AI, and just fit AI in the title somewhere. But but it makes sense to me because that's a real world application. You know that that makes a lot of sense, and you could easily see that segueing into like a million other things. These, yeah, the the these in particular, like uh, there are telescopes that you can buy. Before, like you you kind of had to know what you're looking at like you had to be almost like an amateur astronomer to understand that you're looking at this or that or whatever uh now you buy a telescope and there's a computer built into it and it you know you just say hey show me uh you know show me the pleiades and it will just automatically rotate and go show you what you want to see are you referring that user friendliness 
Are you referring to the Unistellar um, telescope? Uh. No, I'm not thinking of okay. anyone in particular. I, I, I oh, know okay. that the future on on telescopes now. Oh no, I, I remember years ago, Ben. Years and years ago. So we live in we live in Kansas, and we Sorry lived, to hear that. Yeah, it's really cold. But Herman, you know this. Like we live near a university that's actually quite on the cutting edge of this stuff. In fact, the guy who invented Google Maps is from here. And they were they were there used to be people you'd see engineers outside with their phones and and. Herman, you remember this. We've had friends who dealt with this sort of augmented reality stuff. Yeah. And they would argue that you have the single biggest um, center centering force in the universe above you, the sky, because the constellations are fixed, right? And so, mm-hmm. like I said, they would they would use a camera, and you'd be able to determine your location, and from that you could determine so many different things. And mm-hmm. it's always, like you said, it's it's not the technology that's cool. It's the application of the technology. That's cool. Yeah. And sorry to interrupt. That's actually why I brought up uh, the question of the of the Unistellar, because there was there was a smart telescope made by the company. It's it's called the Odyssey, and it's doing everything and, it, and it's trying to do everything that you're talking about uh, through Google, of course. But it's it's smart enough to actually pinpoint what what region you're trying to focus on. And right. it's using uh, lens optics from Nikon to do that. For four thousand dollars, it better be impressive. <laughs> and from what, from what they described, I think I think it's going to be somewhat close to that. But it's just about taking that experience and just sort of shrinking it down into something more economical yet sophisticated. That's at a least, really at good, least that's what I saw. Highlight, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not into. Uh, astronomy but i can see the applications with the uh, unistellar odyssey which is something i did see and get to experience briefly nice but yeah uh, uh, so, sorry uh, to interrupt no no, no. I, and and i don't know where the conversation is I, I mean i think we're wrapping all of the different topics into this last segment and i had a question about um obviously apple like nathan said way at the beginning of C- like before almost like uh you know taking the wind out of ces which i don't think even apple can do they launched their or they put the specs out for their Apple super expensive VR headset. VR, AR, mixed reality, whatever you want to call it. Is that something that's going the way of the 3D? Because I know Microsoft recently pulled uh, support for their HoloLens 2. Uh, not a lot of other people are really pursuing it. How, what, what is the state of VR just on excitement at CES alone? Uh, there was a ton. There was a ton of uh, headsets from VR, AR to XR. Me personally, I'm I never I never bought into it. It never appealed to me, simply because what they were trying to uh, what they were trying to do was sell the idea before actually proving the tech was uh, viable, in my opinion. But there oh, there were a ton, headsets. <laughs> but one thing I did wanna I did wanna bring up, which is loosely related. It's the Sightful Spacetop AR laptop. I did get a chance to check that out. Me and Christian did. He liked it more than I did. I thought it was kind of iffy. And Nathan, I think I think we talked about this briefly. I'm looking <laughs> it at the video now. It, 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 it's it, a different. It, it basically takes the, it basically takes the screen out of the equation, and you're wearing. Uh, well, during their demonstration, they had uh, AR glasses that you put on. 
And when you wear those, it was just superimposing the window, the window screen over over your field of vision. It worked, but there's a problem with it, and it has to do with the cursor. You know how you use a mouse or a touchpad, mm-hmm. right? But the issue is you can move your head anywhere. You're basically getting an ultra wide field of vision on a on a Windows start screen or whatever, or desktop screen. But the cursor doesn't move with your eyes. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at something else, you're gonna lose the cursor. And they didn't have a mouse set up, so you had to use a trackpad. So now you're just sort of uh, searching frantically for where you left the track where you left the cursor on the AR screen. They it, it worked. Sounds like they could have developed the user I don't the user who, interface a bit. I don't know who this is for exactly, because the keyboard, I mean, that's still static. So you gotta still carry that around and stuff, so you have an opinion on this, Nathan? Because I mean, you didn't you didn't get to experience it, but you ha- I know you have strong opinions about VR, AR, and XR in general. Well, to, to be honest with you, um, what Ben was saying about how Apple stole the show, like when Apple showed their Vision Pro, one of the things they did not do, they pretty much didn't show any gaming. They showed like one Apple arcade game played with a PlayStation controller, and that was very instructive mm-hmm. because I think without getting off a of soapbox what's held VR back is its insistence that it's a gaming replacement. And it is not. Nobody has ever said that. Nobody's ever said, oh, games are better in VR. They're not. At least not the ones designed for it. But what Apple showed, Apple showed something that was interesting. I'm not going to buy it. I don't have $3,500 for that. But it was a headset that was entertainment-based. And specifically, it was also functionality-based. Like, they brag, like, no other VR headset. Ben, if you've seen one, tell me has bragged about being able to use Microsoft Word, right? What's the the Facebook one? The um the MetaQuest? Uh, MetaQuest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of people got MetaQuest 2s for Christmas because the MetaQuest 3 came out, so you got a, a mediocre vi- mediocre VR thing that wasn't bleeding edge that didn't work with anything. Like no one's using Microsoft Word on MetaQuest, right? But like but with the Apple stuff, the idea is that there's no nothing on your hands, that it would virtualize your hands. That's what this laptop's going for, Herman. The idea is that you've got to do productivity. And the idea is that what if you don't need – like what if the future is you don't need a lot of workstations? What if everything could be like no screens and everything? You could you don't, mm. even, you don't even need an office anymore. That's the concept. Or right. if you're on the train – now, you don't do this, but if you're on the train for two hours every day, you don't bring your laptop out. Like you want a bigger space. Like – that's the concept, but the execution yeah. is always crappy, and that's, yeah. the, well, and that's the problem. I'd say cumbersome. Uh, it, as I said, it did work. You could navigate and browse websites and stuff like that. That wasn't the problem. The problem was it needs better integration, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, that's... And it just didn't. It just didn't have it at this stage. Uh, they they say they say uh, Sightful says they want this space top to come out this year but i don't know we'll see we'll, we'll have to see i mean the the truth of the matter is and there's no way around it is that you are not going to get any next gen bleeding edge tech that is adopted until it is adopted by a mainstream company that can push yeah. it flaws and all like I, I i just disparaged uh metaquest i'm not saying it's bad but like facebook is spending billions of dollars to make sure that this is the one you choose like you're going to buy a $500 MetaQuest or a $3,500 Apple thing? And the answer is 
this is going to be shocking, but I think Apple's going to sell a lot of those vision quests because it because because it's much more practical. Because the gamer is not going to buy it. Gamers don't care. But like people who want, you know, like like Herman, you deal with home home theater, right? Apple's selling the Vision Quest as home theater equipment. They're not selling it as gaming. They're selling it as home theater. Yeah. And so we'll see what happens. Um, I'm I'm very bearish on this. I, I I just don't think the market wants it. Like maybe the people that want a like a very expensive LP record player want it. Like the ones who are going to spend thirty dollars on a Taylor Swift record. Right, but the but the vast majority of people who do Spotify, who don't care about fidelity, who who just want to have fun and get out there and play something, it's just not for them, and it probably never mm. will. It probably never will be. They're just not enthusiasts. They're not going to spend. You know, it's like the bird thing. Like a, a bird watcher, an Audubon Society person is going to spend forty five hundred dollars on a lens, but the average person who just wants to go out and see birds is is going to be happy with their iPhone, and it's just the way it goes. And I don't I don't see that changing. Um, that being said, Herman, that being mm-hmm. said, I do think there is potential in a laptop that has office capabilities virtualizing, but it's going to have to be cool. It can't be crappy. And if it's crappy, why would you why on earth would you want to use something crappy when you have a perfectly good laptop? It's just it needs to be better. It needs to be more compelling. And if it's not, yeah. it's not. It's just not going to work. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see where they were going with the productivity aspect, but that's it. Yeah, if if it's if it's cumbersome, then none of that matters. Well, you know, I'll just say this: you have an, I like dual monitors, right? Right. And you like ultra wide. Well, what if you yeah. can have ultra wide without a monitor? Like that's the concept, and, that, and that's exactly what it was going for. Yeah, that's the concept. It's because like. You know me. I mean, you've seen my you've seen my my workstation. Like, I I like having two monitors, but I I also like having no monitors. Like, it yeah. might. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's the fun part of CES. Um, but that being said, moving forward. So Ben, real quick, Ben, Ben, Ben. Uh, what yeah. other gadgets, doodads, gizmos, or or futuristic thingies did you see that stood out for you? Uh. I, it, I know it got a lot of headlines, but I'm a sucker for uh, cute robots because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gr- growing up with uh, with Craig, we had uh, <laughs> uh, Ibo, which is a robotic dog, uh, and Bali. Bali? Bali. Bali. Made a lot of... <laughs> yeah, Bali, Bali was big. Yeah, Bali made a lot of headlines. Yeah, yeah Bali was big. Um, I heard that the demonstration didn't go very well for them on the, you know, at CES. Yeah. But essentially... <laughs> it's uh, it's, look, a, just because it started killing people doesn't mean it wasn't cute. There's so many people though that they, <laughs> they plan for it. They brought extras, but like it, it, it's a smart speaker that follows you around, has a projector, can play with your cat, uh, can work as a security camera for your home, so on and so forth. Like the idea that your smart home isn't just these static pucks or these static cameras around your house; it's an actual device that you can use to interact with your home when you're not actually home, or yeah. will follow you around. So you know, little stuff like that. And to add on top of that, Ben, um, it is it's made by Samsung, so the Samsung Bali. Um, I was told that they would have the capability of uh, of corresponding with your other smart uh, home appliances from Samsung, like your smart fridge and your mm-hmm. washer and dryer and stuff. So complete home AI integration right there. Uh, yeah, you're right about the demo, though. Uh, <laughs> there were some uh, technical difficulties, and they did have to um, they did have to cut some 
they have to cut uh, cut it short. At least the one I went to. You know, but they ran that video that that video work describing it. Um, I will say this: um, I can attest to this. Uh, if you've ever, if you're a pet owner, and Herman, uh, we took a trip to you know we took a trip down south. Remember a couple months ago, um, yeah. I actually purchased a pet thing. I was one of those people that purchased the pet camera. These things are huge, by the way. Pet cameras are giant business. Yeah. And the problem is they're mostly crap. But like if the idea is that you can talk to your pet and feed your pet, you know, pebbles or whatever. But like there is no mistake like what what Samsung was doing. Like they were selling this thing as a pet thing. Like it was prominent on all their literature. And so, yeah, there's it's basically like a, an adorable Roomba that does more. And so yeah. so we'll see what happens. But Bali, like I said, so so, so there's that, and it wasn't a particular gadget, but something that I would like everyone to kind of walk away from uh, and, and, you know, walk away from this and have in their mind is that almost all the laptops and really Wi-Fi 7 was there. Yes. And that's something that people should really be aware of. Yes. Uh, that th- I saw Thunderbolt 5, Wi-Fi 7, just, you know how you're talking about iterative, uh, I'm sorry, iterative improvements well they were there they just weren't talked about that much yes yeah and that that really ticked me off because i'm just getting used to wi-fi 6 6 <laughs> e <laughs> and now they want to go ahead and get 7 and, and muck it up so at least you don't have to call it wi-fi be or, or I'm, yeah. I'm sorry 802.11.be it's uh wi-fi 7 so there you go yeah one uh one company i did uh i did check out was uh, io gear mm-hmm Apparently they have a uh, Thunderbolt Five, uh, you know, expansion port thing. You know the things that you know the USB port expanders that you typically use, Nathan. Yes. Yeah, they had one of those, and they say that's. Uh, I think that's coming either in a couple months or very soon, or something like that. So that's something to look out for. Standards, man. You want standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't need to be better. Just needs to be a standard. So like um. Like, you, you mentioned Wi-Fi 7. Like, I don't know if people knew this or not, but, like, the PlayStation Portal that came out a couple months ago that you can't buy anymore, the, the thing that required Wi-Fi to use your, with your PlayStation 5, uh, had Wi-Fi 5, not even Wi-Fi 6. Like, mm-hmm. like it's one yeah, thing. it's par yeah. for the course. Yeah, it's like, I get it, but what you expect Wi-Fi 5 and, like, cheap products, but, you know, or, or 2.4 and even cheaper products. But, like, yeah, bleeding edge is uh, bleeding edge for a reason. So yeah. let's see, cute robots. Uh, let's see. I speaking of, I want to go back to pets for a second. Um, I don't really know a lot about it, but I was I like the idea of I think it's called the Mini Tails Smart Dog Collar that helped for this because I think there's a lot of applications for that for pet owners, not just dogs, but mostly dogs. You there's know, applications, but twenty five dollars a month. Oh, yeah. Look. Well, someone said... I'm not doing anything subscription-based. I don't care what it is. Their venture capitalist insisted on a subscription base. You know that was in the meeting. Like, subscriptions yeah. are hot right now. Like, that's that's clearly a marketing thing. But, um, but no, like, we have a neighbor who has an electric dog collar that zaps the poor dog every time it runs away. Like, I would love to see a more humane version of that with something like this. You know, I, I just... I don't like electric collars. No. No, thank you. Um... The other thing that I saw that was interesting for me, and going back to home stuff we talked about, was something called the Vivu uh, at home UTI diagnostic test. Diagnostic test. Did you see this? Um, I told you I spent a lot of time last year in hospitals and nursing homes with some, you know, some problems. Not for me, but for other people. UTIs are a big problem, especially for older people. They they can send you to the hospital better than any, faster than anything else. 
and UTIs look like fevers, they look like strokes, they look like everything else. And I think having something that would help with that would be enormous for a lot of people who are dealing with elderly people, like giant. So that was that was a real world thing for me. Okay. Well, uh, you want to move on to my favorite or favorites, I guess? Yeah. Please do. Okay. All right, then. Well, first off, um, since, since, you know, I'm trying to trying to get in better shape and stuff like that. Uh, the Panasonic Home Chef 4-in-1 uh, oven is one of my favorites. They showed it off, and it does incorporate AI, <laughs> as expected this year. But what it does is it can actually assist you in uh, trying new recipes. It can actually substitute uh, ingredients for recipes if you don't have it have something in the fridge and whatnot so you can still eat healthy and smarter and it also has a which i think is kind of impressive despite it being just a microwave it has a uh, metal container which is actually microwave safe so you can do steaming and stuff like that and air frying and i think that's pretty cool especially the older i get the the more i care about you know home appliances and i i think i think it's a guy thing <laughs> we move on we move on to toys cars and then appliances so that <laughs> that's one of my favorites i didn't see that um, one i'm glad that you brought it up because i'm looking at it very very cool but i did see yeah. uh it might have been lg or someone had a had a smoker as well oh yeah like an indoor oh yeah smokers are big yeah. by the way smokers and grills Unfortunately, I missed out on the smoking and, and grills there. Um, I wish mm-hmm. I didn't, but, you know, I, I I got a limited amount of time, and I have to see right. as much as I possibly can. But, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I wish I'd seen I wish I'd seen them. They were there. Don't get me wrong, the, but I just wish I'd seen them. The big ones were cool. the – I think it was called the Searwood, and there was another one called the Auto Ignite, which, by the way, that's good branding right there. Like when you name your product what the product does, that's pretty cool. That, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Auto ignite. You know that's not a toilet. You know mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so well, it could be, but you know it's not. Um, and so what else did oh, you see? Uh, well, um, moving on from the uh, from the Panasonic Home Chef, which I guess they're partnering with Fresco for for all that AI stuff and health related stuff. Um, CPUs, specifically AMD, uh, they are coming out with uh, their new. I guess they're eighth gen Ryzen processors. I guess the twist for this this time is MPUs, neural processing units, which incorporate AI <laughs> to do uh, background tasks faster than uh, just brute forcing it with the uh, just CPU alone. Uh, those are coming out at the end of this month. I might be able to review them um they haven't confirmed or rejected it so that's a good sign as long as they don't well, say no herman uh this yeah. goes to you and ben uh speaking of ai a lot of people don't know this but ben did you see this and forgive me the names are dumb but the of course they're dumb of course they're dumb they're running out of names running out of vowels but uh the ai accelerator cards in in regards to what Herman was talking about, I know two companies were like Memory X, Memorex, 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 and yeah, and Canara. Like it's like little chips that look like PCI Express cards that you just pump in and AI power your PC. Yeah, I guess that's supposed to be a uh, a, a bridge product for people who don't 
weren't buying the latest uh, CPUs or MPUs yet. Mm -hmm. But I will say um, I'm interested in just in just seeing what the applications for uh, neural processing units are, if if for nothing else. I mean, with the Ryzen card, with the right not the Ryzen cards, but the Ryzen CPUs, they're probably just going to be par for the course, just moderate upgrades. But I'm interested. To, I'm interested to see. How how effective AI will be? Are we sure these things are just aren't Bitcoin miners? Like like, has anyone? Looked at them? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. It might just be for well, that. Well, Ben, that's what they because uh... the main the main uh, from from what they told me, the main point of a of incorporating AI into the CPUs is for more background tasks, more effective background tasks. So the main unit isn't isn't burdened and it doesn't have to slow itself down trying to compute okay. all this stuff. But they, I don't um, know if we're trusting them. Well, they, uh, well, but why, I, I why would they lie? Why would they be dishonest? Yeah. <laughs> AI, no. what, are they dishonest? No. Yes, you can trust them. But uh, speaking of AMD, though, um, you don't really hear a lot of video card stuff, but there was a news blast that came out about the Radeon, what is it, 7600 XT with 16 gigabits, which yeah. got disparaged by, you know, it got ridiculed by a lot of, uh, you know, hardcore gamers, but clearly that extra memory is not for gaming like that's for something else you know that's yeah not going to improve your game at all but it's it's there for, for ai generation. Uh, I, I i think the reason it got overshadowed is because nvidia also announced their uh rtx 40 super lineup um which i had i had i had preview i had a preview with uh in terms of technical specs uh they won't let me review one but they'll let me uh let me preview all the specs all they want, but yeah. I think that's the primary reason why um, the Radeon cards got pooped on the way they did, because that always happens. Well, I think there's... AMD, yeah. AMD in terms of graphic cards, always plays second fiddle to NVIDIA, despite despite the value prospect, despite the near equal performance. It... Yeah, I just think NVIDIA markets itself better, or they just have the brand recognition that uh, AMD Radeon has always tried to get always tried to you know yeah they just play second fiddle and it sucks well they sell very well too they sell well though so but yeah going back to the ryzen mpus um if i don't review one i'll just they're cheap enough i'll probably just pick one up sometime sometime soon that that's that's another thing it's amd you're getting good you're getting good quality for not a lot of money and that's always beneficial. So, what other? So, was there, was there anything else that really grabbed you, though, while you're there? As uh, grabbed me. Um, all I can say is uh, we already talked about the Unistellar uh, Odyssey um, mm-hmm. telescope. I, I like that. And I guess I guess Wacom or Wacom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have a debate about that pronunciation. Yeah, they uh, they came out with uh, the Cint- their latest line of Cintiq Pro uh, graphic tablets for for artists and graphic designers. Glad they're still so, around. I'm glad they're hanging in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it's 4K HDR uh, screen. Um, I forget how many levels. I think it's over 4,000 levels of pressure. So. If you're a creative type and you have a little bit more money to burn, uh, yeah, check out the uh, Cintiq Pro, the latest gen models. Hey, and yeah, I think that's about it for me. 
Well, Ben, I um, I mentioned some products that were iterative of another company, and I kind of hinted at it before. You remember? And I asked if mm-hmm. that's unfamiliar. I'll reveal what they are. Um, both product both products seem pretty cool to me, by the way. Um, one was called the Echo Flow Delta Pro Ultra, which is the home whole uh, whole home battery backup system. Um, we've seen this before. Um, Tesla brought out a version of this a while back. Do you remember? The battery that you install in your basement and what it does, it collects solar and then during peak hours on the grid, it switches you over to the battery and it switches you off. And it, it's a, it was a pretty good idea then. It's a pretty good idea now. And the the Echofold Delta is basically a version of that. And But it's not a new idea, but I thought I saw it there. And again, I it's one of those ideas that we don't give credit to one of the pioneers of it because you know the person who runs the creditor is sort of you know not popular with certain groups we'll just say mm. that if you know what i mean so did you see this at all i it didn't get a lot of buzz i did see these um i know that they're deceptively cheap because they are just essentially they're they, they look like uh coolers they, they have wheels yeah. and you can cart them around and they sit in your garage uh, and you have to you have to kind of interface them into your home to be whole home ba- uh, backup. And of course, this has nothing to say about the uh, the installation of solar panels on your home if you yeah. don't have that. Um, you know, so so like this is one part of the puzzle that is home backup. But it's cool to see an all-in-one solution that you can uh, go out and buy, and you're going to see more and more of this. Well, so I, I did see this, and I like that we have more options. It, it does have one feature that stood out to me as interesting, is that apparently it does use AI to determine, based on whatever, that when electricity is lower, in a lot of places, a lot of states now, in a lot of cities, they actually charge more per kilowatt hour during peak, peak hours, right? So there are times when your rate will go lower simply because it's less, you know, less productive. Um, it will sort of soak up energy during the cheap mm-hmm. hours and then use it later. So this, this, like I said, I'm not saying I like this product or I love it or I hate it, but it's a practical idea, like solution to something. It's a that's, trend. Yeah, it's a trend that people should should watch for, and uh, yeah, you know, get it while the getting's good because. There are efforts in multiple states, and you know this is the kind of stuff that we talk about on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah. There are trends in states that will actually uh, charge you money for "quote unquote" absorbing your, you know, your electricity. If you're, you know, feeding back into the grid instead of them paying you, you have to pay them to get rid of your "quote unquote" excess electricity. <laughs> so, it, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, to, to each their own. So. The- Oh well, I guess it, I guess the other alternative is just forcing brownouts upon the public. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, Californians are used to that. They um, the other Gosh, product, real man. quick. The other product, real quick, and I don't really want to spend too much time on it, but I hinted to Herman about this. Was the uh, Sony and Honda teamed up for the Afila EV, and which which again got some publicity because of its features, and they were playing. Well, they showed the guy driving the car with a PlayStation controller, and. Well. It's crazy. Um, um, no, I was I was just gonna interrupt here. That's the reason I'm, I wasn't impressed. Why, when you told me about it, I'm like, they showed this last year. Granted, they didn't show the PS5 controller last year where you can drive with that. But uh, Sony Sony's presence at CES was just warmed over existing product. That's why I'm not impressed with the Afila because they sh- they debuted it last year. Everyone swarmed it. It's like a eh, new thing. But now it's just they showed it again. They basically just 
put out the same display. That's why I well, didn't really give it any attention. You know, I, I mean, I don't understand this rush to put game consoles and systems inside your EV cars. I know, like I said, Tesla's yeah. done this where they put gaming PCs and stuff like this. I just, I don't know, maybe it's so every you don't... Every, com- uh, and, and, and really Apple and Google are pushing this a lot. Uh, right now, they, we exist in like a two-space kind of environment where it's either home or work. You know, the, those are the places that you need to be productive or entertained. And a lot of companies are expecting a third space to evolve in the next couple of years, which is the car. When you no longer have to focus on the road, you no longer have to drive, you have to wait in this third space, what are you going to do? And that's why you're seeing... Um, you know, Apple try to get into the third space. You're trying to see uh, Sony get into the third space. Just whoever can sell you apps for your car is going to make a lot of money because people are going to be bored, no longer driving. And again, this is all what they expect, but that's what's happening. They're trying to capitalize on mm-hmm. who's going to sell you stuff while you wait around being driven. I just, you know, if, yeah, if you're talking about rollout, um, I don't have much enthusiasm for Honda. Um, they, I don't think they have their own um, EV lineup, like dedicated EV lineup. Uh, if you're into cars, you you probably know this. Um, they, I think they're third place in hybrid sales or something like that. Um, the EVs that they do have, they're actually um, collaborations. One is the Acura ZDX, which is in reality a General Motors product. So when we t- when I when I hear about Sony. And and the Afila brand, I just don't have any enthusiasm for it. It seems like it's just a means for them to deliver well, um, to deliver proof of concept tech and just spread it out over. I don't even know if the Afila brand is going to actually be a thing. They say it is, but I'm not sure. Well, I think it's more fundamental than that. I don't think it's anything to do with Afila or Sony or anything. I just don't think there's an appetite for EVs. I think there's a, a lot of damning reports that's come out where EVs don't sell very well. And you, you see stories every day, little stuff about, like, companies that pledged a lot for EV fleets are, are reneging on it and going back. Like, I don't know if you saw the story about Hertz. They're getting rid of their EV fleets for the most part. They're too, they're too expensive yeah. to maintain. The it's, biggest news about that story was that Hertz was still a company. I was yeah. shocked to oh, hear that. Yeah, I actually rented a rented from Hertz to do a cross-country trip last year, and they, they gave me one of their cheap, crappy, fake SUVs, and no thank you. But – um. But I'll say that. But I'll say this though. Um, no, it's just like I said. It's it's one of those things where I think the the tech world and everybody has decided that this is what you will like. This is what you will have. But when the product actually goes in front of the consumer, the consumer is like, eh, nah. Like it doesn't matter if the product's better or more efficient. It's just that sometimes there's there's a time and a place. And I'm not trying to say there's no time and place for EVs, but right now I think the push was a little too much. And so well. The, the the only thing I'll, I'll say about this whole topic is that where you were excited about iterative design, phones, laptops, everything mm-hmm. getting a little bit better, a little bit faster, uh, car companies are truly bracing for something that is completely revolutionary, which is self-driving. Like, that will blow up the entire car uh, ecosystem. And they're all trying to figure out what's going to happen, how's this going to work, when when is it even going to come? Because uh, you know Tesla said that was going to be in 2019 uh, was the first time they said it was going to be here. I mean, like they're, they're they're all expecting for this big paradigm shift, but no one knows when it's actually well, going to happen. Ben, 
I don't think it's necessarily a change just for auto industry. I think you're looking at a cultural shift. Um, self-driving cars as standard or, or implemented would be the biggest change to culture since the cell phone. Like it, it, would. Would, it would completely upend the way we do everything. Like it would, it would be a cultural seismic sh- shock. And I think, again, there were cell phones before the iPhone, right? There were. But the iPhone was the change. You know this. And so, and we're not getting a self-driving car from Apple. So where is it going to come from? The most likely suspect is Tesla. That's the most likely one. But we Car just... companies don't want to be the buggy sellers of the previous century. So, exactly. yeah, we're like, seeing a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, like uh, when your computer yeah. crashes, you lose programs. When your car crashes, you lose lives. And I think, you know, that's no one wants to be on that forefront. They don't want to be the innovator there. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, like I said, the future is the future for a reason. If it wasn't the future, it would be the past. And so that's why we have shows like CES. And I think that's probably a good time to wrap this up. Um, because we get to see the future. We get to see glimpses. And I think we talk about iterative like it's a bad thing, but maybe a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and they'll combine it and they'll create something that will be standard. And, you know, CES gives us our best glimpse at what that is. And because it's a fun show. And I think, uh, Herman, I think this is a good place to to bring it back to where we started from. Um, I think you know this better than most, is that CES still feels relevant. People still want it. Like they still like having this place where everything's sort of grouped together, where they can just sort of like like golden corral, so to speak. Like just well, yeah. Look at uh, the future. The, big, the biggest difference between um, CES and our dearly departed E3, if you care about that, is uh, E3 was singular in its purpose. CES is very broad. Mm-hmm. There's different. There's a multitude of different types of tech that anyone could get behind or enjoy or embrace so that's that's a difference that's how ces stays relevant it, it evolves and as mm-hmm. as the years go and i think there's one more e3 part does not well, well, well e3 did evolve it's dead so um <laughs> so it evolved into death yeah evolved it like that's that's part of evolution like sometimes it's a dead end yeah. but i was about to say it's an it was an evolutionary dead end and it, well, it is what it is but I also say this, and this is a cautionary tale, and I want to say this real quick. Um, it's also kept itself professional in a way that other shows have not. And I think yeah. at a certain point in time, they trust people like magazines and websites, and yeah, even us to some extent, it, to some extent, to be able to parse all this stuff and to say, you know, it's not just marketing. And I think because of that, companies are allowed to be a little wacky. Like, yeah, they overpromise a little bit. They overpromise. But generally speaking, I think there's an assumption that 90% of the stuff you see at CES is never going to come out. And that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. It's like the World's Fair 100 years ago. You know, you saw robotic men and, and all and like robotic kitchens back in the 40s, right? Yeah. And we're still dealing with um, crappy. So the, the, the last show I did for, for Computer America was I, I was talking to our guests, and it was like CES is the only place where you walk in and you see – John Deere tractor, and then you see uh, Rivian electric trucks, and then you see NASA, and then you see Girl Scout. Like exactly. it's, it's a very fun mix, and yeah. that I, I haven't seen that anywhere. Else. And and Will I am? He's still there somewhere, I'm sure. Yes. Like 
and it's a mix and it somehow works because it's all kind of crazy and there's like i said it's 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 an assumption that we all know it's crazy and that's what i love about it and i'm actually i'm actually glad that um i don't know if celebrities still attend i haven't seen any in a long time but if they don't attend i'm glad that they don't <laughs> because yeah that that's how that's that was like the deaf kneel for e3 yeah a bunch of irrelevant stuff that didn't make any sense so if there were celebrities that were there i didn't see them thank goodness i didn't and no, but and, that's and no, why i like ces and no cheap influencers either like i said there's it's, it's no bs well there is bs but it's very <laughs> technical it's it's yeah. very straightforward but we we're, we're, we're herman we're okay with a little bit of bs so yeah a little bs as long as fun. it doesn't as long as it doesn't uh distract then fine and, we can have it and by the way, there are so many things we didn't even talk about. We could have filled another two hours just for the the other stuff. But check out the highlights elsewhere. You're going to have a lot of fun. We'll see what survives until next year because, again, iterative or not or promise or not. But AI was certainly the buzzword that ever, was on everyone's lips. Robots were there, laptops, big screens, modular this, modular that. But you know what? At the end of the day, we had a good time. And with that, I think it's a good place to wrap up because this has gone on a little long, and I love it. So this has been Nathan Evans, Managing Editor of Popstar.com, once again talking about the world's biggest electronic show. It came, it went, we survived, we thrived, everybody loved it. Uh, thank you again, boots on the ground, to Herman Exum. Herman, thank you for going. Big round of yep. applause. Thank you, Herman. Yeah, round of applause. And thank you, Christian, wherever you are with your, your mouth shut, steely shut, thank you very much for excelling. And once again, uh, Mr. Ben Grossman from Computer America. Ben, always a pleasure, always fun. Um, I'm always on your show. So you're in my wheelhouse, and we'll see you next time on that. But with that, we will see everybody next year at CES 2025, because there will be as long as the world is spinning. never know. It could happen. And with that, we'll see everybody next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara Podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.